leverage some of the audience and behavioral data that Google has to make all of your campaigns better. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, returning the favor... Uh, I guess maybe that's not the right phrase of it. Uh, but I'm welcoming to the show Brett Curry. Brett is the CEO of OMG Commerce, a digital marketing agency and the host of the E-Commerce Evolution podcast, which featured me in episode 106, if you want to go check that out. Um, and we're going to talk about what's new and what's exciting in e-commerce today. Welcome to the show. What's up, Chase? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we're recording this uh, in week like five or six of quarantine, so uh, my house is <laughs> my house is yes. very clean. Uh, and at this point, I already remodeled one bathroom, and now I'm thinking about the other. That's amazing. So you're you're keeping your house clean in all of this. I I am thoroughly impressed. I as I, as I say that, I look to my right where yesterday I elbowed a water a glass of water off my desk into the wall, shattering it and like putting water on paper, and it's just all on the floor to dry out. <laughs> oh man, we uh yeah, so it's been a mix of both productivity and yeah, you know, we've done enough laundry for a while, you know. So uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, I got to got to go through the clothes and get rid of them and donate them. Awesome. So, let's dive in here. So, you want to tell uh let everyone know kind of what OMG Commerce does most of the time for their clients to give a little bit of background. Absolutely. So we're a digital marketing agency. We focus on e-commerce and we really have two primary areas of focus. We have the Google ads ecosystem as an area of focus, which includes Google search, shopping, Google display network, and YouTube, and then Amazon ads. And so on the Amazon side, it's sponsored products and sponsored brands. We also do sponsored brand video and then Amazon Display through Amazon DSP. And so our, our goal is we want to work with successful e-commerce companies and help them accelerate their growth. And so we're big believers in, in measuring results and putting together strategic campaigns that, that work together to help brands grow. Awesome. And then I think uh, one of the cool things about what you guys offer over there is it's stuff that we kind of don't touch at Electric Eye. So I'm definitely a little more noob. So I'm going to have a lot of fun questions uh, when we kind of dive in the weeds about it. So awesome. uh, the first thing that we kind of wanted to cover here is YouTube ads for growing an e-commerce brand. So first question off the rip. And now, is that part of the like Google Ads platform or is it something 
It is. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube is, you manage YouTube campaigns inside the Google ads interface. So, you know, YouTube is owned by Google. And so the, the campaigns are managed in the, in the same, you know, platform as, as Google ads, search shopping, display ads, things like that. Okay. So, uh, not to ask for the playbook, but what like what's what is usually the first step when like getting your campaign ready on YouTube? Are you producing a video or you know, can you dynamically generate some stuff? What's going on? Yeah. And, and so it's a great question. I think, you know, the first thing to do is is to kind of step back, take a look at the YouTube landscape and how you might be able to best reach people there for your business. And so a couple of things to keep in mind about YouTube that is really fascinating. Uh, one, it is the second largest search engine. So just behind Google itself, more searches are done on YouTube than on any other search engine uh, besides Google. And it's also the number two most visited website, again, behind Google. So tons of scale. People are actively searching for things. So there's all kinds of opportunities to find people actively researching shopping, collecting information, you know, for your product or, or uh, service. And so looking at how do we... One of my favorite quotes ever when it comes to marketing... And I think I first heard this from Dan Kennedy, but I don't know the... I don't know if he originally said it or for somebody else. But our, our job as marketers is to enter the conversation taking place in our customers' minds. So your customer, you know, they already have fears and concerns and hopes and and wants and needs and all these things that that are going on right right now and you know in the midst of quarantine which we're we're recording this the needs are are maybe different than they will be in two or three months but you know understanding what those needs are and what the frame is and then speaking directly to that and and YouTube allows us to do that because we can do things like keyword targeting, you know, so we know what people are actively looking for and searching for, and, and a variety of other ways to to target. Um, so I think I think that's the first step is you got to understand, you know, how can we reach people on YouTube? What frame of mind are they going to be in? Who are we trying to reach? Things like that. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, YouTube definitely does hinge on a great video ad. And I think that's the, the thing that, that intimidates some people or keeps people off the platform is, is they don't know how to create a great YouTube ad. And it is a little bit different. It's a little bit nuanced from, from say, a Facebook ad. You know, We're seeing uh, on the Facebook side, and I, I don't manage Facebook, so I don't really know it. I'm, I'm just speaking from, from what I've learned and, and heard, not speaking from experience. But I know shorter videos, you know, 15 seconds, you know, 30 seconds, whatever, shorter on, on Facebook work. On YouTube, you kind of have to tell more of the story, right? So there's not there's not a lot of text that goes, you know, there's not the post above the video like there is on Facebook. So the, the video has to do the heavy lifting. So it has to tell the story and really convince someone enough to to take that, you know, make that first click, um, and then hopefully take action. So uh, I think it begins with understanding what are we trying to do, who are we trying to reach, when are we trying to reach them, and then. We have to craft a great video ad, and so I'll kind of leave it there. There's, there's lots of things we can dive into related to those things, but but that's that's where I would begin at least the, the thought process. Yeah, I'm so curious about this. So let's kind of take a a pretty generic example approach. So we're going to say that we're selling. Um, I don't want to use face masks because that's super top of mind now. It's the only thing that's coming into mind. So we're just going to call them widgets. Okay. All right. So we got a brand. Uh, we are, you know, obviously we got a proven product market fit, and the next channel that we're going to look to try is YouTube. So we've kind of identified the audience on YouTube. Uh, we go out and craft a couple videos. How how do we kind of get you targeted them by keywords? 
and then you know what what are the next steps i guess one one very specific question is how does uh the kind of investment level look compared to other platforms in the marketplace yeah so the investment level thing is is sort of a nuanced question there's there's lots of ways you can approach youtube and you know and it also depends on kind of what your primary objective is or are you okay with just getting views and getting visitors and kind of building a remarketing list because you know one of the, one of the things we've seen is that uh, now a third of all shoppers have purchased something that they discovered first on on YouTube and you know a lot of people go to YouTube searching for things like you know which widget to buy or widget reviews or widget demonstrations whatever you know best best uh, whitening toothpaste or best travel pillow although that, that's not being searched a whole lot right now uh, but but people you know searching on YouTube for some of those those things and that that has definitely uh, increased and so uh, understanding um, you know what people are searching for and then and then getting your message there so are, are you oh, and the, the other thing that I want to share is that 80% of people that say they discovered something on YouTube about a product specifically about a product say they did so at the beginning of their shopping journey so not at the very end when they're kind of trying to make their final decision but usually in the beginning when they're trying to make you know trying to get informed and decide what they want to want to buy and so that leads to great opportunity but also some issues right so youtube what that typically means is that people aren't going to click and buy same day right not if they've just learned not if it's cold traffic not if they've just learned about your product and your offer and so so what are our objectives here with youtube are we okay with getting views and getting clicks and then closing the deal with search and shopping and remarketing and organic and things like that? Or do we need to see an immediate direct return on our money with YouTube? And, and actually, both answers are fine. We, we structure both ways. Most of our clients are in the direct response game. So they want to say, hey, for every dollar we spend on YouTube, we need you know X as, as a return. I think the, the thing though that we talk about with our clients is you can't view YouTube as a standalone, right? And really, you can't view any campaign as a standalone because how often is it... Just think about your own experience. How often is it that you click on one ad for the first time, uh, learning about a product, and then buy immediately? Usually, you don't do that, right? You you click on that ad, you look at it, you think about it, you maybe see two or three other videos, you click on other ads, and you search for it later than you buy, right? So, so stringing that all together. So what we talk about with our clients is, is a portfolio approach, right? Where we're, we're, we're getting our campaigns to work together. So YouTube, search, shopping, remarketing, they all work together. And if you, if you measure each campaign, you know, maybe search and shopping create a 300 or 400% return on ad spend. Remarketing is maybe a six or 700% return on ad spend. YouTube is only like a hundred percent return on ad spend or maybe less, but running YouTube makes everything else bigger, right? It, it feeds our branded search campaigns and it feeds our shopping campaigns. So uh, anyway, that, that's a, uh, it's, it's a difficult answer because, you know, to, to compare uh, cost of YouTube to other platforms, you kind of have to, to decide how you're using it and then how it's going to serve your business. But, but to do talk about a direct comparison, you know, looking at cost per acquisition on, on YouTube versus Facebook, they're pretty comparable in in some cases. So we you know we work exclusively with e-commerce brands. We have some some skincare brands, some some 
apparel brands and a lot of different e-commerce brands. And so uh, usually the CPAs are fairly comparable. Sometimes they're higher than Facebook. Sometimes they're they're lower. Um, right now, we're seeing costs on the YouTube platform down considerably. And you know, e-commerce conversion rates are still doing pretty good. So, so right now, it's a very efficient time to be on on YouTube for sure. Um, so yeah, does that does that answer the question? I know that's a bit long long winded potentially. No, it answers it. It answers it very well. Uh, and I just I want to go back to kind of you said something in there that I want to highlight is that YouTube is really good at kind of the prospecting part of the game, the top of the funnel, uh, kind of building awareness. Um, so that's just good to know and keeping your back pocket, I guess, uh, as a as probably a lucrative channel to yeah. build exposure for your products. Yeah, we can also, you know, we can also use it for remarketing. So I don't want to don't want to shortchange that. Okay. So, you know, as we have someone that visits our product detail page or even adds to car and they don't check out, you can certainly run YouTube remarketing and, and that's very effective too. Uh, I just I think just understanding if someone is looking for something new, the time they go to YouTube is probably a little bit earlier in the in the process, right? But we're all on YouTube for various reasons: listening to music videos, or watching cat videos, or whatever. And so you can still reach someone as that you know uh, final reminder to get them to purchase as well. But uh, but yeah, lots of opportunity for that early stage shopper on YouTube. And now, um, how dynamic can you get with these remarketing efforts? Is it pretty kind of you know product to product, one for one, or can you kind of set up some campaigns that are a little more dynamic? Yeah, so you know you, you can create audiences using Google Ads or using Google Analytics, and this this is based on specific pages someone had, has visited. Uh, you can also run a type of YouTube ad that's called True View for shopping. So so the type type of ads that we run on YouTube are all called. TrueView, they're the the pre-roll videos, you know, the video ads that that play. Uh, usually, you you, know, you didn't you didn't ask these videos to play; they just play before the video you're you're trying to watch. And so you can skip them after five seconds if someone watches to the thirty second point. If it's a long video or the whole video, if it's less than thirty seconds, then you're charged for that. So that's what that's why it's called TrueView. Uh, but there's a there's a an ad type called TrueView for uh, shopping, and the way that works is. Think about your Google Shopping ads or product listing ads. So if you're if you're searching for a widget, and we'll just we'll just we'll go on noise canceling headphones. That, that's uh, uh, been probably a staple for parents, uh, especially recently. Give, give me some noise canceling headphones, please. Uh, so noise canceling headphones. You search for that on Google. You know, usually at the top, almost always at the top. Sometimes at the top right. You've got the product listing ads, the Google Shopping ads, so the picture of the product, title, reviews if they have some, and then the price. So that's Google Shopping. Um, there's a an ad type in YouTube called TrueView for Shopping, where you have those Google Shopping ads right next to the video. So I'm on YouTube, I'm watching, you know, the latest cat video, and hey, I just shopped for noise canceling headphones uh, at Chase's. You know, audio.com. Uh, and now below the video, I see the product listing ads of the, of the products that I shopped for, right? So that's where you'd have to have dynamic remarketing turned on and connected to Google Merchant Center, which is a little bit technical, but, but not all that hard to do, really. And then you choose, you know, TrueView for shopping. And so that means it's that TrueView video ad, but there's Google Shopping next to it. What's interesting about that is that when I first heard about that ad format, 
probably three years ago, something like that. I was just out of my mind, excited about it because I'd, I'd done some, some video in the past, actually did some TV way back in the day. Uh, really the first thing I did in e-commerce was Google shopping. I wrote the ultimate guide to Google shopping that Shopify published. And so really have this affinity to Google shopping. When I saw these two things being married together, I was like, wow, this is going to be, you know, complete game changer, going to be blow your mind. Awesome. Uh, we found actually this, this ad format is good for remarketing. It's not great for cold traffic. Um, but yeah, so, so you'd be pretty dynamic with, with remarketing. So one of the things we also look at, and, and this is something you can do with YouTube quite easily. And this is an idea that I got from my uh, buddy, Ezra Firestone at Boom by Cindy Joseph and Smart Marketer. He talks about a bot X, not Y campaign. And so that's where you look at, Hey, who, who are my customers who bought one of my products, but not another one of my prices may be complimentary. And so the idea there is, Hey, what if someone bought this skin cream, but not a night mask, right? If, if you're selling skincare, because if someone has purchased from me in the past, they're more likely to buy again, but they just haven't purchased this other thing. And so in those cases, you know, we, we would take someone who's purchased boom silk, but not boom scrub as an example, and then show them an ad for boom scrub, right? Just, just give that as an example. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a type of really that would kind of fall into a, a loyalty bucket, but, but kind of part of the remarketing side of things. And so, so yeah, you can be pretty robust in your remarketing efforts on YouTube for sure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You're blowing my mind over here, making me want to go down a rabbit hole and learn some cool stuff. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Klaviyo. Klaviyo helps brands deliver more personalized digital marketing experiences via email, SMS messages, social ads, and more. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more relevant. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. So um, uh, in regards to kind of YouTube and Google Shopping and that whole realm, is there anything that I didn't ask you in regards to that that you think is kind of worthwhile bringing up now? Kind of just... This is going to come out two months from the pandemic's kind of peak. Uh, so, you know, anything that I guess you that might be uh, more prevalent at the end of this? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so, and, and, and sorry, you're asking specifically about Google Shopping or about YouTube or about both? Uh, well, I guess I'm, I'm being a generalist and that's not good. I, it sounds like they're pretty vastly different. So, uh, uh, the ball's in your court. Where do you think that it's some knowledge that you want to share that I didn't specifically ask about? Yeah, I think I think there's I think there's some I think we could dive into audiences a little more potentially if you think that would be interesting. We we just touched on that. There's there's quite a bit of nuance there on on what audiences to to choose and market audiences and some other behavioral things. I think so. Just because honestly, when I'm out and about, like I love content. I I read way too much and it annoys my business partner because I'm like, look at this idea, look at this idea. Um, <laughs> so one thing I know that you can do audiences on Google, um, but I think that a lot of merchants don't know that. It's a little. It's not like as straightforward as I, I think you can do on Facebook. But when people are talking about audiences, it, like it, t- the conversations tends to lean towards Facebook. So maybe kind of just break that down and kind of educate a bit around that. Yeah. So in terms of audiences on on both YouTube, but but also utilizing 
audiences for search and shopping. We can talk about that in a minute. You know, really nobody knows more about you than Google. Uh, maybe Facebook's probably right up there, right? Both of those companies know everything you do online pretty much. And so you can build all kinds of really interesting audiences on, on YouTube. I'll talk about the audiences we like to start with, right? So if you're just getting started with YouTube, which, you know, I, I get, I get a, the opportunity to speak about YouTube at a lot of events. I got invited to the, the YouTube LA offices uh, just prior to all the, the lockdowns happening and, and talked about 140 e-commerce brands about utilizing YouTube ads for e-commerce. And it's interesting, still probably like 10 to 20% of all the audiences I speak to are using YouTube ads. So almost nobody is. So there's a huge opportunity still. Um, I believe it's best to start with what we would call intent-based audiences on YouTube. So that, that's one advantage YouTube and Google have over anybody else. Because they get to see all the search behavior, what you're actively looking for, they know kind of what, what mode you're in, right? You, you, you can figure out and, and make some, some pretty solid guesses and, and understanding based on someone's intent. So two options. I mentioned, I mentioned the first one a little bit before, but, but looking at keywords in YouTube. So things like, you know, best noise canceling headphone or, or best pillow for back pain or best, you know, washable memory foam pillow or things like that. People are searching for that on, on YouTube. Believe it or not, there's a, there's a ton of product searches on YouTube now. Uh, so that would just be a keyword campaign or keyword audience in, in YouTube. I don't know about you, Chase, but for me, uh, I don't do a ton of product research on YouTube. I just don't. That's just not the way I shop. I don't know why. I don't. Uh, so when I'm on YouTube, I'm looking at how-to videos or I'm watching sports videos or ESPN or something like that. So what you can also do is what's called a custom intent audience. And what this means is you're able to build an audience of people based on what they're searching for on Google. And then you can target them the next time they're on YouTube. So, so maybe just recently, I've been doing all kinds of searches on, on Google for noise canceling headphones. I've been visiting sites. I've been looking at reviews. I've been doing all this stuff. But now I'm going to YouTube and I'm just going to mess around. I'm going to watch a video about the, the Last Dance documentary. I'm a, I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan. And so, but now I could see an ad for noise canceling headphones before that you know, info about the documentary. Mm -hmm. And so you can build audiences based on what people do on Google and target them on YouTube. Super, super powerful. Yeah. Um, so wait to start there. There's also audiences where, where Google prepackages these audiences and says, Hey, this, this, this is a group of people that are in the market for hair care products, or they're in the market for dietary supplements, or they're in the market for financial services or, or travel or whatever. So they'll, they'll prepackage these audiences. We found those to work very well also. And so, so then you can get really huge with audiences and do topics and interests and affinities and things like that. But starting with those intent-based audiences is usually the way to go. Then the other thing that I'll just throw out there really quickly is... With search and shopping, you know those are query-based or search-based ad types. So you're only served an ad if you make a search. But if you think about it, let's just say that I type in leather sofa as an example. Well, am I looking for like an $800 leather sofa? Or am I looking for a $5,000 leather sofa? It, it's hard to tell just by you know knowing that I just typed in leather sofa. You can now layer in audience data, audience information to your search and shopping campaigns. So now you can tell Google, hey, yes, we want to target people that are searching for this, but also if they're in these affinity groups or if they're in these in-market audiences, th things like that. So you can now really leverage some of the audience and behavioral data that Google has to make all of your campaigns better. So I could essentially not show my 
you know, luxury $5,000 couch to people that probably can't afford it? Yeah. I mean, then there's also, there's a, there's a process there. You know, we, we utilize Google's smart bidding options, right? So target return on ad spend, target CPA or cost per acquisition. And with that, you know, and then this is the same way that, that the Facebook algorithm works, right? Over time, the algorithm begins to see patterns and say, ah, the, these are the ideal. It's these people are the ones that are actually purchasing. And so the algorithm will get better and better over time anyway. But if you can layer in some of that audience data in the beginning, or, or one of the easiest things, one of the best things we've done uh, is just taking, like, taking your email list, if you've got customers, remarketing lists, layering those into your search and shopping campaigns just to show Google that, hey, these are our buyers, right? These are the ideal customer. And yes, we want to target people that are searching for these keywords. So so yeah, there are ways to kind of help narrow the focus of Google and, and the smart bid algorithm to, in, in the end, get you much better results. That's, that's super cool. And with the... Uh remarketing audiences through the emails, is it easy to set that up to sync from say a Shopify store or you have to build these audiences like on a on a particular cadence? Yeah, regrettably it's not, you know, at the time of this recording, there's not an easy way to sync. So I I've heard that Google's working on this. So you know direct integrations with you know platforms like Clavio and and uh, list track and things like that. Uh, I think there is one integration with one ESP one email service provider, but I think that's it. So, so right now, most likely, you're going to have to just download that list, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis or whatever, and then upload it to to Google. But eventually, I'm sure they'll be they'll be synced. You know, I know it's been possible on Facebook for a long time. Not sure mm-hmm. what the hangup is with Google, but but yeah, that's very very limited options now. So it's probably going to be manual for the for the time being. Uh, here's the thing: it's. I'm sure that that audience is well worth the you know four minutes of effort. Absolutely, and what's interesting is that even that little hurdle of you know having to download the email list, upload it to Google, which which takes no time at all. It's annoying, but it takes no time at all. Your competitors probably aren't doing it, right? So there are the people that are they're they're finding reasons to not do it, and so if you add more of these little things to make your campaigns better, it it totally gives you an edge. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not, you got me jazzercised about. Uh, YouTube ads and, and <laughs> Google and just all the audiences and stuff. I just pictured you with a headband and sweats, and uh, it was a really interesting picture there. I am I am in sweats, no headphone, no headband though, <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost there. Want to get each new episode of Honest Ecommerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP. That's H-O-N-E-S-T-V-I-P to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. Let's pivot the conversation a little bit now to kind of your other uh, area of expertise, uh, just to kind of round out the podcast here and chat a bit about Amazon. Uh, we don't really talk about it much on the podcast, uh, and I, you know, let's give it a little bit of love. So, first and foremost, uh, you're great at it. That's a terrible introduction to the topic, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the it's an interesting platform, and when one really fascinating thing that I think will will help frame this, even for people that are not on Amazon right now, so something you need to be aware of. Amazon is now the third largest digital ad platform, right? So Google is number one by by quite a long shot. Then there's Facebook. 
and then Amazon. So even though Amazon is a retailer, their ads business is a multi-billion dollar business. I think it's it's uh, in the in the teens of billions of dollars each year and just ad revenue for Amazon. And I think the projections are within the next couple of years, it'll be like a 23 to $25 billion a year business, which is the size Facebook was just a few years ago. That's just Amazon's ad business. So it's definitely something you got to be aware of. Um, they're, they're gaining more and more of the ad dollars. And they're really forcing Google and Facebook to try to pivot and compete in some way. So it's really interesting uh, to watch that. So yeah, just, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And so we talked a little bit in the pre-show about... you know There was kind of a big push. And maybe this was just the audience that I follow on Twitter. But I did notice that a lot of people were pooling all their products from Amazon. Because they uh, they didn't like paying Amazon the fee, uh, and you know that was that was kind of their prerogative. Um, and then there's a lot of younger brands that kind of want to get their products into Zam- Amazon because you know the marketplace is just so insane. Uh, there's so much more intent there. Um, I think that there is is definitely a place for Amazon within your business model. Uh, kind of just depends on what your end goals are and what you want to do. I mean, I guess I should go on record here and saying that, like, I'm not against Amazon at all. A lot of people think I am. It's just not something that we service, you know, at Electric Eye. So I'm not like, I'm not super smart with it, I guess. Yeah, I think when you're looking at, you know, should we be on Amazon? You know, what what should our strategy be on Amazon? I'm I'm convinced that it's way better to be diversified. So uh, over the years, we've had a lot of people come to us that were. 90%, 98% Amazon sales, and they were just trying to get started with a Shopify store, or a big commerce store, or something. Uh, I think that's potentially a dangerous place to be. Uh, Amazon's so big, you can't you can't ignore it. I don't think you have to be there. We we have several brands, and and all. I mean, I mentioned Boom by Cindy Joseph a few minutes ago. You know, multi million dollar a year seller, not on Amazon. They did that did that by choice. There's not like this clear, straightforward answer with Amazon, as far in my opinion. You can't just say, "Oh, well, you're uh, you're you know a moron if you're not on Amazon." It's too big to ignore. Well, it's not that simple. Like it's you know the math becomes tricky, and competition is insane, and you've got things like knockoffs. And so, you know, while I I do like Amazon because it's so good for shoppers, and because I see Amazon continuing to grow. Um, I think you can't ignore it, but what you do with it—that's again, that, that, that's going to vary. I think from from person to person. I think one thing to keep in mind—you you mentioned the fees, right? So, so Amazon charges anywhere from a fifteen percent commission, or maybe it's down to single digits, depending on your on your category. I remember uh, when I first got into marketing. I actually was when I was in college, I was selling radio. Uh, so I was, I was uh, you know, twenty years old, walking around trying to, to sell people on on buying radio ads. It was it was actually a great great experience. One of the things that I, I had a, a manager talk about at the time was, you know, if you have to almost think about for a retail store, you have to think about location as part of the marketing expense. So if I'm at the the, the intersection of two really busy roads where there's tons of traffic, tons of eyeballs, people are there, they're going to be able to pull in easily. I can consider that part of my marketing, right? But if I'm way off the beaten path and nobody sees me, nobody comes down my street, you know, then then I'm going to have to spend more on advertising because if I don't, people aren't going to see me, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you make the same case that that's that's kind of a good picture comparing the physical world to the digital world. 
Amazon's got people, man. There's that. That's where so many people begin their shopping journey is on Amazon. That you have to consider it, and so their their fee that they charge is because they have the traffic, they have the shoppers, they have the, the infrastructure, all of that. Yeah, you, you can't argue with that. Yep, yep. Just but just because of that doesn't mean that it's the best option for your business. I think so. So I think in the in an ideal situation. You know, you you have your full product line obviously on your store. You prioritize your store as you're running, you know, ads to cold traffic like YouTube or Facebook or anything on the display network. So cold traffic, send that to your store, right? Build that store, build that audience, ha- have control of your own remarketing audiences, things like that. But definitely have some products on Amazon, maybe some of your top sellers. Um, but what we like to see is, you know, maybe you've got all the options on your, on your site and you have a limited assortment on, on Amazon. So you're at least there to capture the people that are only going to buy on Amazon. And I know a lot of those people, people in my family, like, ah, just buy on Amazon. That's all I do. Um, you want to capture those people if you can, but then, you know, new products, uh, customized products, different colors, different options, things like that, make that available on, on your site. And so I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to, to succeed on Amazon and off Amazon. Um, but one other thing I'll mention is, you know, because, and this is kind of the way what happened with Google a few years ago, you, you almost have to consider ads or if you on Amazon, if you don't, you're gonna have a hard time really gaining and keeping momentum. And so, you know, because Amazon's making so much money from ads, they're prioritizing ads. So when you make a search on Amazon for products, ads have a lot of prominence. So you have to kind of consider ads when you're launching a product, but also to kind of keep sales velocity up for products to keep your rankings up. Um, so lot, lots to be considered there, but I, I think there usually is a path to utilize Amazon in some ways. And if you are on Amazon, you probably need to be running Amazon ads, at least in some capacity. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to bring up just the whole ads element of, you know, well, they're going to... It's pay to play over there. And I also like, you know, I owe them a fee. So let's kind of just looking at like a generic example. Say you got a fifty dollar pair of headphones that you're selling on Amazon, and you you know there's your price matching to your your own website. Now going out and acquiring a new customer through maybe uh, some YouTube ads at the top of the funnel, and maybe some remarketing on Facebook, and your you know cost of acquisition is like fifteen bucks to do this to your traditional store. Whereas if you're on Amazon, their velocity uh, is a lot higher. They've got so many more shoppers on there, like with the fee and you know paying to play a little bit as well with the ads over there. Like, where do you think that you're going to end up at as far as cost of acquisition with this terrible generic no data to back me up example? <laughs> That's great. Uh, no, I think this thought, this thought process is great, and I, w- I will mention, you know, if you're doing, if you're really trying to scale on on YouTube, then then probably like a fifteen dollar cost per acquisition is a little low, but but be be that as it may, we'll we'll just, we can still run with that math. Um, so then on Amazon, you know, you really just have to look at it, and and we've done this where we evaluated there was a, there was a business in the food space we we're looking at maybe investing in, and and I loved this products so we're actually almost concerned buying the business, but as we started running the numbers and looking at okay, we've got the the cost of goods right, then we've got the FBA fees, so the storage fees, pick, pack, and ship fees, you know, the FBA fees, then they're shipping. And then you got the commission, right? And then you got ad costs. So it's like, all right, when we do all of that, the margins become really, really slim. So I think you have to look at that. And, and some products have the margin to absorb that. And you can still be aggressive with Amazon ads. 
other products don't. So then you have to you have, so you have to look at those numbers and then decide, okay, is Amazon just going to be where I put product and I'm going to be doing all my, you know, my Facebook, my YouTube, my Google ads, all those things to generate interest and awareness and to get shoppers. And then I'm just going to have Amazon there for bleed over. So I'm not going to promote it. It's just going to be if someone is there searching for me, I'm there. I don't want to lose a sale to a competitor, right? Uh, or are we going to be aggressive on Amazon and try to grow it? And, and I think that that's just going to depend for every client. But you know, one of the things we do, and this is what, what you know, Amazon clients demand is, hey, let, I want to know my, my advertising cost of sale. I want to know what percentage of my total sales am I investing in ads, you know, so we can, we can do the math and, and see how everything is, is working together. And so, you know, the, the, the actual cost per acquisition often is going to be lower on Amazon than it is on Google or somewhere, you know, something else. But you do have that, that commission you pay to Amazon as well. So you really just have to look at the numbers for your specific business and then decide, you know, decide what strategy you want to use there with Amazon and and do Amazon ads make sense or do they not? Yeah. You're preaching to the choir on like, you got to know your numbers. You got to know your margin. Got to know them. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt Volek, I just interviewed him the other day and he was just saying the same exact stuff as from as far as the Facebook perspective goes it's like you need to know what your margin is and then we can tell you how you can scale like you can't do it the other way around yes yes exactly and when we do the same thing you know as we're looking at YouTube as an example if someone says hey we can only spend $15 to acquire uh, to acquire a new customer well you probably still have some opportunities on on YouTube but if you think about the fact that Cost of media is relatively constant, right? Like you, you, you know, you can get, you maybe get a view for a, you know, a penny of view or something like that. You usually can't go much below that, right? And if you think that conversion rates are relatively consistent, you know, between one and three percent, as an example, for e-commerce. So, like that, that's the world we're living in. Um, you then can't be super aggressive and compete with big advertisers if you can only afford a $15 CPA. Like companies that really scale on YouTube are able to invest, you know, $50 plus usually in, in terms of a CPA. Now we have lots of clients that are in that $20 CPA range. You just have to be more limited, right? You have to focus on those intent-based audiences, people that are actively shopping. It, to expand into the, some of the broader audiences where there's lots of opportunity, you have to have kind of different different math in your favor to to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I different math in your favor is a good way of saying like, do you care about losing money on acquiring a customer or not? Like, is the lifetime value there to support yeah. taking yeah. uh you know a hit? On the first sale, but you're going to make it up throughout the lifetime of that customer. Um, a lot of people look at advertising as a one-for-one expense, you know. And the first part of that is terrible. It's not an expense; it's an investment if you're doing it the right way. That's the only way you're going to grow. But if you're limited by the belief that it's got to be direct response and it's got to be like, I put a dollar in, I have to make two back. There are many business models where that is not possible. Yep, it's very true. There, there's yeah. So sometimes that's not possible. You'd have to consider, you know, do we get a lot of repeat orders or do we not? We have some clients who have a, a client in the in the watch space. They're amazing watches, but you know, like Max, someone's going to buy maybe two of these watches, but most people only buy one, right? So then, okay, then it really is about we have to be somewhat profitable on that first purchase. But what happens? This is interesting. We, you know, we we always talk about the halo effect, right? So you run an ad, and uh, we saw this with our own business. Like we started because we're not going to trade shows and stuff right now. 
uh, we started running our own YouTube ads for OMG Commerce. And when, as soon as we turn on these YouTube ads, we start getting leads. So as soon as we turn on these YouTube ads, people start requesting guides. They start clicking on our site. And, and it's like, it's crickets before we do that. Maybe not quite crickets, but almost. So it's very noticeable when we turn on these ads. Well, if you look in the ad dashboard, it doesn't record any conversions, right? For the for those first several days, um, but someone saw the video, then maybe they came back on another device, or they searched organically, and then they found the site, right? So there's there's also this halo effect of, okay, yeah, we're only seeing a a fifty percent return on ad spend in the platform, or one hundred percent return on ad spend in the platform, but what is the halo effect, right? What what are all the other people that saw the ad that didn't take action, but now they're buying later? And and even you know now I've been in this game for ten years. You know we started OMG in two thousand ten. I talked to some really smart people in terms of attribution and and conversion tracking and stuff like that. There's no perfect solution, right? There just isn't. There's no way to fully connect the dots every time. And so the the halo effect is real, and you have to consider that too. I cannot tell you how many times I am on my computer, on YouTube, or on my TV, and on YouTube. And I see an ad or see something interesting that I immediately Google on my phone. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and so that depending on so say you're so you're signed in with your wife's YouTube account or something, then you search on your phone or you know say you you know there's just all kinds of ways. even though Google's pretty good at connecting the dots and Facebook is is pretty good at connecting the dots too. There's still going to be these cases where you can't fully connect it, and and that's okay, right? You have to just we have to we have to live in this world of imperfect data. Uh, but that should lead us to believe, you know, like you said, how much you believe in your product, how much you believe in your message, and and you're going to have to push with imperfect data and know that if you don't advertise in some capacity, I know it's going to sound self-serving because I'm, I'm an advertising guy, but do it on your own, do it with another agency, don't do any of the platforms we're on, right? You still have to advertise in some capacity, uh, or else you know you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, and then just another thing. I want to go back to understanding the numbers and you know we had a client at one point in a very very competitive niche uh, they had an amazing product they had a really loyal fan base but they had a limiting belief on their growth that they needed a 5x on everything um or you know it wasn't going to work for them and they couldn't they couldn't afford the investment and you know and that was a 5x for direct response and I was like you're not going to see this you're in one of if not the most competitive space out there, it literally is expensive to acquire these customers. But look at your lifetime value. And they're like, they wouldn't consider lifetime value as part of the equation. So it goes back to you saying like, you have to look at the math and the whole picture to understand like where you can start to set your investments. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you say we have to get a 5x return on every channel on every campaign, then you're really going to limit yourself, right? Cold traffic on Facebook, cold traffic on YouTube, out of the question. You're, you're not going to hit that kind of return on ad spend, not to a broad audience anyway. And this was 3 years ago when Facebook was like just inventing money for people too. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you do have to get a 5x return globally. Although man, that's still, that's still going to limit you. But you may be able to get away with hey we we can get a 2x return on youtube you know and a 6x return on on google shopping and still 
portfolio of Google ads is going to hit that 5x return. 5x is really, that's really high. So my thought on that is if you've got a return on ad spend goal that high, you got to be doing something else to stack the deck in your favor, right? Ads are going to be tricky for you because ad costs are going to continue to go up. Ad costs at the time of this recording are actually down a decent amount, down 20 to 50% in some cases, but they'll go back up. Mm -hmm. So... If you have that aggressive a goal for return on ad spend, then you better be driving some organic traffic. You better be doing some offline stuff. You better be networking. You better be doing some other things to push people to your site because advertising is going to be harder for you if you have to have that kind of return that's visible in the platform. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only way to do that consistently, it would just, just stop prospecting and that's going to ruin your customer base like after a couple months. Yep, yep. And I think one of the one of the ways, you know, you can really see this in action is, you know, you you shut off all ads. So you think ads aren't working, you shut them off and then see what happens, right? So then see, oh, well, my my organic traffic is down. That's weird. My my branded uh, search campaigns are down. That's bizarre too. Well, it's because because the halo effect, because these other campaigns were feeding those campaigns, you know, that that's why you're seeing the the decrease. So Awesome. I love the end of this conversation. It came out of no... I knew this was going to happen. We were just going to get really nerdy with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully we didn't lose anybody. But yeah, good stuff. I hope not. Uh, is there anything I forgot to ask you uh, before we kind of end the podcast here? No, I think that was good. I think um, you know one of the kind of the final things I'll, I'll say when it comes to ads is you know I, I do recommend you build out your remarketing campaigns first, right? Get that solid bottom of the funnel built first before you go higher in the funnel, you know, because then if you have good remarketing campaigns and and good remarketing lists built, then everything you do that's more aggressive, that's to cold traffic, that's you know awareness type campaigns. They're going to be a lot more effective if you have remarketing in place. So, and I would say that's true whether you're whether you're you know running Facebook ads or YouTube ads or Google search and shopping. Like, start with remarketing and the branded stuff first, and then work your way higher in the funnel. Absolutely. And if you guys like what uh, Brent is saying here, uh, go check out Brett's podcast. Uh, it's the e-commerce evolution podcast. Uh, if you want to hear a familiar voice, I was on episode one hundred six. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure that I'll have you back in an- another couple of months. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.